Hey moms, I am so honored to share this space with you and to be able to welcome you to Beyond Motherhood Radio. Here we will talk all things motherhood and parenting, relationships, mindset, child development, and tapping into your purpose, all to help you live your most aligned and best life. My name is Brittany and I am married to my high school sweetheart, a mother to four children under the age of six, a certified parenting coach and former elementary school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. I'm on a mission to help you raise amazing human beings, live your purpose, and stay somewhat sane in the process. If you're ready to go beyond motherhood, let's jump in. Welcome back to Beyond Motherhood Radio. I am your host, Brittany LaJoy, and today I want to talk about societal pressures as a parent. Before I dive in, I want to highlight that much of what I teach and I talk about on this podcast comes from my personal experience In addition to my ongoing education around parenting and child development, I take in what I learn, I implement it in the ways that feel best for me and my family, and then I tweak things as I go and as I learn and as I develop my own toolbox. I am always keeping my mindset in check, so mindset is knowing your kids, knowing what's going to trigger them, knowing what's going to work for them. And then basing that on their individual needs, right? So I'm fully aware of how my individual kids will handle situations and will prepare both them and me for the most desirable outcome in any given situation. All this to say, what I'll be sharing today is majority based on my personal opinions and what I've found to work and what feels good. But also, as with 90% of the things that we talk about here, the foundational components why things work. It's based on child brain science, child development, and that cannot be overlooked. Parents have spent decades teaching kids the wrong things. This is by no fault of their own for the most part, but it's largely based on the emotional damaging tactics that prior generations thought were in our best interest. The things that would make us good kids, comply to demands, respect their elders, and to be seen and not heard. For generations, kids kids have been stripped of their autonomy and their youth. And I don't say that lightly, because as we look back and we all say, we turned out fine. I was spanked, but I'm okay. But are you really Are you really, or are you trying to break a cycle now that you're a parent yourself? When I was teaching, I had this internal battle with myself year after year. Teaching got more difficult, even though I personally, as a teacher, became more seasoned. If you're a teacher, you know that with every passing year, you feel like exponentially more equipped to teach, right? You just learn so much in a single year with so many different areas like your 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 teaching modalities and your classroom management and the way you handle specific situations all of those things you just gain so much more confidence in a single year and with every group that you have so i was wondering why it was getting harder and harder every year and here's the thing that i came to know as truth kids will be kids Kids will always be kids, and kids will always have the same fears, the same worries, the same quirks, the same outbursts, and the same emotional roller coasters. 
There will be kids coming into your classroom with more skills and some with less, but kids haven't changed year after year. The parents did. Ugh. And when I say that the parents have changed, it's a combination of things. It's the environments that parents are raising their kids in. It's the effect of screens and social media. It's the decrease in activity level and outside time. So these are influenced by the parent. I was noticing a huge decrease in the ability to sustain activity or stamina, especially with an undesired task. So what does that say? What does that look like in your home, right? If you're not able to do an undesirable task, kids will usually break down or younger kids might have a tantrum and then parents might do something reactively to help them stop crying. And that might be a screen or that might be giving in to what they're asking for without having solid boundaries and helping them work through the undesirable feelings. It's almost as if we give them a way out. And there was definitely an increase in the lack of social and emotional skills year after year. Should we blame the kids? In my opinion, no way. We should be pointing the finger right back at ourselves as the caregivers because we, the parents, are the ones who are laying the integral foundation for these kids who are just kids at the end of the day. We cannot expect things out of children that are, one, not developmentally appropriate, and two, have not been modeled, taught, and practiced. Ultimately, we have the big job here. So let's move to the focus of today's topic. I don't know if I'm feeling a little feisty or this is coming off a little feisty, but I just feel so strongly that we just have such an important role in raising the children of our future. We hear that all the time, but like, really, we are the ones who are giving our children those skills to be able to become the citizens we hope and wish for to be running our world. <laughs> no pressure. So let's talk about social pressures. Social pressures that don't feel right for me as a parent. When I became a parent, a lot changed for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone there. One of the biggest things that changed for me was the way in which I viewed some of the things that society told kids to do. Over the last six years of being a parent and raising very different kids, I have developed some language and values around a few of these societal pressures, and I wanted to break them down here for you, and you can use them if you wish or maybe get you thinking in a different way. Here we go. Saying sorry or apologizing. Now, here's, here's a scenario that happened to me literally last week. My child is playing too rough with another kid and the other kid or the friend gets hurt and starts to cry. So what do you do? You will probably rush over and try and save the day and forcefully tell your child to say sorry. It's like almost it's like instinct for us as parents. Say sorry, say sorry. But let's think about this. What does saying sorry really do? It sweeps the problem under the rug. It's like the flight response that we've talked about in previous episodes. You get the situation over with as quickly as possible and you move on. Personally, whenever I hear a kid say sorry, it's probably half-hearted. It doesn't feel genuine at all. And it's just like, oh, sorry. 
And this is because it was either forced by a parent or a caregiver, or it is a pressure that they have internalized as a response to solve the problem. And if you're anything like me, authenticity matters. It matters a lot. And it's actually a core value in our family. So why would I force my kid to say sorry if it's not authentic? Over time, my children will apologize and it will be authentic, but not because it had been forced, but because it comes from a place of genuine empathy and concern. And this is how we build on that. Here we go. Let's go back to that scenario. This, Like I said, it's actually happened to me the other day. So fresh in my mind. My child was playing with another friend. They're great friends. They played together at school. They played together sometimes out of school. And they were just playing a little too rough. And my son hurt him. And he was he was hurt. He hurt his, his eye and started crying and screaming and ran to his mom. So my kid instinctively started crying as well. He was definitely embarrassed about the situation. It was in front of other people as well. It was a big crowd. So people were looking to see what the problem was. And I'm sure he felt he felt bad and he felt remorseful for what he had done. It was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. But it was definitely, you know, it was definitely a problem. So I went up to my son and I said, what are we going to do to solve this problem? We need to go make sure that he's okay. So he didn't want to go over to his friend and solve the problem. Again, very embarrassed, lots of tears. He just kept saying, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. So what do I do? I'm a model now. I changed the role of being a parent and a caregiver, and I became the model and I became the teacher, uh, which I guess are interchangeably. Those are all the same people. But I put on my, my my model hat for a few minutes. And we went over to his friend and I said, okay, Mason, I'm going to show you what it might sound like and what it might look like to solve this problem here. I said, are you okay? No response. He was very sad. And I said, is there something that we can do to help you? What do you need? And then I offered a few suggestions. And these are some, some things that I would offer to a friend outside on a playground or in our home to a sibling. I said, do you need space? Do you need Mason to play away from you for a little bit? Do you need a hug? Do you need an ice pack, a handshake? Now, I didn't bombard him with all of these questions, you know, one after the other. I gave him time to answer. And at that point, he didn't want anything. He just wanted his mom. So we ask, are you okay? Then we ask, what do you need? And then at the end, we can definitely apologize. And we can say, you know, I'm sorry. We'll play again later. So I was able to model for him what that might sound like. And then he calmed down and he realized it's not a big deal. We found a solution and worked through it. Now, I just want to highlight the verbiage that we use in our home instead of our, I'm sorry, because again, we just might always think, let's just say sorry, go apologize, go apologize. So we ask the person, are you okay? We make sure that they're okay. And if they're not okay, or if they need something else, we ask them and we help them to get what they need. And in our home, oftentimes that's a hug or that's space. And the person who's hurt 
is able to articulate that. The next societal pressure that I don't feel right implementing is sharing. Think about this. How would you feel if you had a super cool new pen that you were using at work? Your coworker came over and wanted to use the pen with or without the intention to give it back. We're not really sure, but they really wanted to use it. You're hesitant to give it to your coworker. You really don't want to at all, but maybe you should because that's the nice thing to do. Then all of a sudden your boss comes over and says, you need to let her use your pen. You need to learn to share. No one will want to be friends with you if you don't share your pens. Uh, Again, (laughs) we're going back to the ultimate goal of building kindness and empathy, But in my opinion, we're not doing this by forcing our children to share. So here are some phrases that we might use in a situation where one kid wants something that the other kid is playing with. I might say, she was playing with that first and when she's done, she'll let you know. Or I might help one kid, one student say, How many minutes until you think you're ready to let someone else have a turn? So again, we're giving that that student who or person or kid who has the toy or is on the swing the opportunity to have some sort of control and choice in the situation, but also give them the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to be moving on in this many minutes. We might even ask them outright, do you want to play together right now? It's okay if you don't, let us know when you change your mind. Again, giving giving kids a little bit more like autonomy with their own body, their own space, their own toys, their own situation. If they are engaged in something and another kid wants to come up and play with them or use the toy that they're playing with or be in their physical space, why is that okay? And why is that pressured as a part of a societal norm? Why do we have to do that? Why do we... Why are we expecting our kids to just stop what they're doing and give up their toy or stop what they're doing and let somebody else into their space when they're when they're concerned with something else or, or when they're focused on their own activity? It just doesn't make sense. Another thing we might say is that belongs to her. It's her choice if she wants to let you play right now. Now, we are fortunate in our home that each of our kids has their own bedroom. And with four kids, it can be really hard to feel like things are their own. And honestly, they all have ownership of the majority of the things that we have in our home. So when they do have something that's solely theirs, we encourage them to put it in a safe place in their room. So their space is their space. And just like giving them physical space when they need it, we try and honor their personal space and their belongings as well. So if you, in your home, if you have the opportunity to give your children some sort of space, whether it be a bedroom or a corner or, you know, a lockbox or something that can give them the opportunity to have their own space for their belongings that are extra special or extra important to them. That's another way to kind of honor them and respect their things and their belongings. The next one that I think it's kind of it's kind of phasing out, thankfully, but this is something we hear a lot. Being seen and not heard. Oh, this one is a touchy topic because I think it can bring up a lot of feelings for a lot of our listeners here. Basically, many cycle-breaking parents were raised in homes that you were there, but you were not 
really there. You were not heard at all. You were expected to comply to demands placed without questions. The societal pressures to have perfectly curated kids can be thrown out, please. Because again, kids are kids. Kids are figuring things out and they're doing that in the most authentic way possible, right? They're crying to figure out what they need or how they feel. And as caregivers, I feel that it is of the utmost importance to let them be heard and let them be seen. I feel like a broken record because I think I bring that up like almost every single week here, but that's all they want. They just want connection and they want to be seen and heard for who they are. And we can give that to them. Now, you might be saying, yes, I agree with that. But also, I want my children to adhere to social norms, like sitting at a restaurant or shopping without causing mayhem or not running out into the middle of the road or the parking lot. Yeah, me too. So how do we allow our kids to be seen and heard and act appropriately? We work on it. We work inside the home first. It's a safe place. It's a place where they can make mistakes. It's a place where they can ask questions. It's a place where they can be heard. We talk about it. We model it. We prepare for the trips. We sit at the dinner table without screens. We talk over dinner. Things that are going to be emulated in the real world. We lay the foundation in our homes. Is it perfect when we go out into the real world? Heck no. Just the other day, we were leaving somewhere and I got talking to a friend and I turned around and my daughter was running to the car without me, like full sprint, running to the car. She looked before she crossed the parking lot, but like, come on, girl, you know, you know better than that. Or or so I thought. But again, she's just turned five today. She's a kid. And sometimes impulses and instincts just get the best of you. But now was my opportunity to talk about it again and again and again. We talk about safety. We talk about the worry that I had and that we talk about why she cannot do that again. It's a constant conversation with kids like you didn't know that already. We are always teaching and they're always learning. They're always listening and we're always giving them something to think about. So let them learn and let them ask questions. Let them be seen. I think this also slides into having opinions So do we want to raise independent, strong thinkers? Yes, we do. All together now, yes, we do. We need to allow them to have opinions that are valued from early on. So even if you don't agree with a four-year-old's opinion, you want to foster the opportunity by saying things like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. Did you hear that before or did you come up with that in your own brain? Or I love how you think about things right? That's just kind of like a blanket statement. You don't need to ask any more questions. I just love how you think about things. Or I hadn't thought of that before. What makes you think that? And this is my favorite. Hmm. How does that make you feel? All of these phrases, and of course, many, many more phrases are great ways to encourage more thinking and more opinions. The last topic is friendships. Society tells us that we have to be friends with everyone from early on. But why? To me, it just doesn't make sense. There is no reason why I should have to tell my kids that they have to be friends with someone who knocks down their Lego tower. That's not a friend. You don't have to be friends with everyone, but you do have to be kind to everyone. And you have to give it an effort. 
In our home, we talk a lot about ways to help other kids who might be having a hard time. Instead of writing them off, we talk about things that would help them find a solution for their problem that they might be having. So this does two things. One, it helps my kids come up with solutions for challenges that they might also face when they're having a hard time in school or they're facing another friend who's not being kind. They can have solutions as we're thinking about a scenario for another kid. And two, it gives them confidence to be able to help that other child if they wish. Now, my daughter is super social and she's one that I haven't seen her do this in action. She might have done it at school before, but she's one I feel like would take these solutions that we talk about and actually implement them and help another friend. Now, my son, on the other hand, he might just sit back and maybe observe for a little bit. I hope that he is gaining confidence in his abilities to help other people or you know, know that he has a solution for something and be able to open up to somebody and offer suggestions or offer a helping hand. But I don't know if he's quite there yet. But he will be because I know we're laying the foundation. Now, I'm talking about my kids as being problem solvers and solution oriented, which is something I'm trying to help them become. And it is a core value of ours in our home to be solution oriented. My husband is very good at this. I'm more of like, hmm, I'm going to mull it over for days and days and days, whereas my husband's just going to go for the solution. So ideally, we're going to be raising our kids in that solution-oriented mindset, mind frame. But that's not to say that they don't have their own problems as well. That's not to say that they might not be the Lego knocker-downer at one point as well. But again, they're kids. And so every opportunity is an opportunity to learn from that and to to grow from that. So as we're talking about how to help other people, again, they're gaining confidence in how to help themselves. Hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully that comes across as I'm hoping it does. Now, that is all I have for you today. I hope you're able to find some connection here. And don't feel so alone in some of your thoughts about what a society is telling our kids to do or who they should be or what they should think or how they should act. The list is extensive, but I hope you found some value in just my Cliff Notes version of some of the most prominent societal norms or societal pressures that I feel we can kind of knock down now. If you did, feel free to let me know what landed with you and be sure to leave a rating or review. I can't wait to talk with you next week. Take care. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, would you share it with another mom friend? We cannot support each other enough these days and perhaps sharing this podcast will bring some light to someone else in your life. Feel free to leave a rating and review so that we can continue to have more important parenting conversations together. See you next time.